You're listening to Just, stories about the people working to build thriving communities rooted in justice. I'm Jess Averhart, co-founder of Black Wall Street Homecoming. And I'm Rob Shields, executive director of the ReCity Network. All right, look, so here's why we're here. We're here to get proximate. We're here to listen. We're here to process. And we're here to help you process. But here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to be preachy because we don't have all the answers. And we will never make you feel like an outsider. Keeping with the theme of sharing, we always want to acknowledge the whole person. And that starts with our personal Personal check-in. Let's do it. All right. So here we are recording really a first for us because this podcast is not four years old. So how old are we, Jess? How old is this baby that is the Jess Are we podcast? a year and a half? Are year we and a half. year and some yeah. change? Year, I'd say year. like a year and some change. Ish. Yeah. We're, we're yeah. well into season two, coming up on halftime of season two. There's just- I know. It's exciting. Halftime is hard to believe it. It is hard to believe. And mm-hmm. this is a unique episode because we're in a unique time in yeah. our lives. And I think for us, as I, as I think you and I both were mentally preparing for this conversation, maybe just to set expectations for our listeners, we always say at the beginning of the episode, here's what we're not going to do, right? Like, I think that's, that, that's always yeah. in the, the, the role. Preview, here's, yeah. what, here's what we're not going to do. We're not going to try to compete with whatever your news source is. Because what would be the point of that? By the time we finish this conversation, whatever we said would be outdated and Absolute. irrelevant. That's right. <laughs> that's right. And so, but that's never really been our objective for this entire thing. It's never been to be a part of the rapid news cycle. Now, COVID has made us change some things so that we could have more of a timely conversation because things are just so rapidly changing in our communities and we just didn't. We needed to pick up the pace of how we recorded, right? And our listeners from season one used to grew accustomed to a couple episodes a month and now we're going once a week. But I think it is good to set expectations that point of this podcast has always been to, to do some digging on the root causes of of injustice in our world and in our communities. And that is a intentionally slow and methodical process that kind of takes a marathon mentality and not a sprint. So if you're looking for a quick fix today, there's some pithy thing that you could take in to compete with whatever news cycle that you're you're absorbing, that you're gonna probably be disappointed. Yeah, that's not what this is. This is we are intentional in setting a pace that we believe is sustainable to do deeply meaningful, transformative work in our communities and shine a light on people who are doing slow, methodical work, not going slow on purpose, but just knowing that justice work is often slower than we'd like it to be because it's intentional and because you got to do some deep digging to uproot the problems in our communities that have been growing for a really long time. That, That doesn't come out. You don't pull that tree up, right? Easily. So- I think that's helpful to note. The goal of this, we don't have a guest today. We plan that intentionally because we wanted to do something that honestly, Jess, I think is really missing. I hope if anything, this conversation fits into a a gap that I'm seeing in all the media that I am absorbing, which I'm trying to be conscious of just like not getting overloaded 24 seven, right? Because yeah, (laughs) honestly, what I hope it is, is humanizing each other a little bit and just like, taking a, a breath to like try to really lean in and process each other's how we're doing with all this mm-hmm. and paint and paint a way forward for how people can go and do likewise, how, how they can lean in to conversations, even some that might require being uncomfortable to be able to lean in and like, and get proximate 
Like that's that's to me, that's what this is about. Is like, man, when I look at what's happening with this election, the thing that is most glaring to me is the lack of, of just how how divided we are. Everyone's saying that, but I think that what I hope that I think this podcast does for people is allow you to build bridges and maybe burst bubbles of homogenous thinking by hearing from different perspectives that may challenge you. That's why we do this. And so I'm hoping that we will give a model by having this conversation that people will point to and say, you know what, I feel like I want to go and lean in and get proximate in ways that maybe I haven't before, but things are just not going to ever get better if we don't do that. Well, so for our listeners, obviously we're on the back end of the 2020 election. And I think, you know, there's a lot to be said for what we experienced personally and what we experienced as a country. And I think there's something to at least what I want to talk about today. And and what I think what Rob and I are saying is that we're going to use this time to do some reflection and mm. also maybe some personal forecasting or things that, that mm. are, for me, things that I'm thinking about that you know, may or may not come to fruition, but at least I'm just thinking like, you know, what does the future look like? What, or our election day, what did that, what did that say in Mm. many ways? And, Mm. you know, to Rob's point, so many people are, you know, pontificating and trying to slice and dice the data, you know, but there are some basic truths about that. I mean, so for, for me, just on election night, I, I had flashbacks and I, I, promise you if we were to ask our listeners if they had the same whoever you listen to in the news that's who I tuned I tuned into CNN to hear it and John Avalon or whoever it is John somebody mm. who's doing all the right it was almost a little not PTSD I don't want to use that flippantly because that's not what it was but I definitely reminiscent reminiscent, reminiscent. Yeah, I, yeah. that's it that's it it was reminiscent I was like <gasps> it, just the everything and I so I kind of like physically reacted to it and got all of my high calorie snacks and was getting ready to sit in and and really take it all in. And by about 9.30, I just decided to turn it off. Mm. So mm. I'm one of those folks that did not stay up until midnight or one to like really hear it all because it just was a little bit too much. And then I didn't tune in really into the back into the TV media side of it until probably the midday mm. of the following day. And so, you know, I just was reading headlines and doing some things on my on my phone. But what I did do that morning before I had checked headlines was I started writing notes in my phone about what I was thinking and what Mm. I was feeling. And this like sense of tribalism is really coming forward. I'm hearing the, you know, folks in the media are talking about that, but it really was coming forward for me that morning as well. And then I started to think about like, well, this is interesting because if we are separating ourselves into these various packs we still live amongst each other. Yes. And yes. that's the thing that I think that I wanted to like at least say and name is that we like to say, you know, red state, blue state, but mm. amongst the red state, if we're going to do it this way, blue people live. And amongst mm. the blue state, red people live, if we're mm. going to do it that way. They're, right? they're your neighbor. They're your friend. Yeah. They're your family. They're, they're, right. they're your family. That's, that's right. true. I've been hearing this. Like somebody said, my husband always votes this way and I always vote that way. And, you know, we cancel each other's vote out, but that's what it is. Right. Mm. But what does, what does that really mean for us? Right. What does that mean that we, we find ourselves locked in this polarizing political and values-centered debate 
And yet at the same time, we must engage with each other. So like mm. wh- where, you know, mm. where do the lines get blurred? I'm going to leave it there. Do you have any thoughts about yeah, that? Yeah, that's, I, I don't know. When you say that, Jess, literally like, it feels like my heart is filled with hope or, or some, it's almost like a balm to the darkness a little bit, because when you're doing that, what you're doing, Jess, is you're, you're saying everybody is human <laughs> and we need to respect each other's dignity even if we differ and there were, there, there's still a common sense of shared humanity. Like we're, mm-hmm. we're still countrymen in this. And, and to me, that is, that is the balm of, of what, how we move forward is we have to remember that when we could easily forget it. And almost like the way that our society sets us up when there isn't proximity, there's fear and it's easier to dehumanize each other. And, and yeah. COVID, when you add what isn't reminiscent of 2016 is that you layer a global pandemic that we weren't doing that great a job of really leaning into this stuff four years mm-hmm. ago. But now, some of which we can't because it's unsafe to actually get proximate the same way we could in right. 2016. And so I think that combination really makes it hard to avoid demonizing someone that thinks differently than you to make someone your enemy. And I just really believe that when you're talking about things around that have justice implications, issues related to justice, I just firmly believe that if we remain divided as a community, as a country, then what that division does is it keeps the things the way they are and things the way they are haven't been great for people for, for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, the other thing, I think you're right. I think the, the other sort of piece to this is, we know that more people showed up to vote this time. And this yeah. is, I'm talking about more people showed up to vote, which means some were in some camp and some were in another camp, if you will. But there is a lot of passion and a lot mm-hmm. of like strongly staunched opinions around where we need to go as a country and within our communities, right? I know that feels can feel scary. It does feel a little bit like daunting to me to know that there that this election what it did do is it woke people up and and sort of rallied folks to the starting line on their positions but what i hope is that out of that energy will come like i feel it's ripe for conversation like everyone really is clear they they and I, listen people probably can guess our political leaning but like we're clear about what it is we hope for for ourselves and for our kids and for mm-hmm. the future of the country, just as others who don't share the same political leaning still feel they they have the same hope for themselves, their family, mm-hmm. and their country. Mm-hmm. Like, don't you think that this is like the time for that discussion? This is a really good time for that. And I know it can feel a little Pollyanna, and folks, I don't know how that works, but the last thing we want is for folks to retreat back into their spaces when yeah. this is a, this is like an offering of like, okay. And, and that's the thing. I, and what I didn't follow up with on the notes that I was writing in my phone that morning where I have all these questions. I mean, I have all these questions mm-hmm. about how can you vote for a president who, in my opinion, right. And so everybody has their opinions and that's not what this is, but how can you vote for a president who just feels so like starkly against values that I hold so dear and feel threatening to my safety and other things in my life? Like how to, why? And so I have all these questions 
And I was like, well, you got to find somebody to ask them to. Mm. Like, I really, Mm. really honestly want to know and Mm. understand it. And I haven't gone after that maybe in the ways that I should have prior to the election to fully understand. I've read some things, you know, you can guess and, and, you know, not all Republicans are bad and not all Democrats are great. Like Mm. we got to get over ourselves on that and you can flip that however you want, but because we're people. Yeah. So I just, you know, I have some questions that I want to get answered. And I have been thinking about this idea of the say-do ratio. I may have brought this up. I've been talking about it a lot lately. But I believe people vote around the say-do ratio. So they vote for the candidate that they think is going to do what they say they're going to do. And that has led me to believe that I need to be asking, what is the say part of that that has compelled you in the ways that has compelled you? And I recognize, Rob, this is not a political podcast. We're not supposed to be digging in here. But like, these are the things that have left me wondering. And I I hope that our listeners are also like, in whatever, wherever you are, community and justice, that you're just asking why five times. Remember that? Yeah, that's right. And I I don't think, we've never, we've never met this head on, but this idea of, how does justice intersect with with politics, right? I mean, we're we're not a, this is not a political podcast, but also right. everything can be political and and justice issues have political ramifications or political rooted. issues rooted. have justice yeah. implications. Like justice is rooted in yes, politics. You can't you can't separate it and just say, yeah. let's keep justice out of politics or politics out of justice. You, know, you no. can't do that. It's yeah. too interconnected. So while we're not a, a political podcast, I think what you're doing is you're giving us a framework. You know, we're both people and we live our lives shaped by values. And I yeah. think everyone that's listening to us is also a person shaped by values. And I think what you're doing is you're saying, hey, I want to actually lean in to go on a learning journey because I think I want to get answers to questions. And I think, like you said, asking why five times, I think that's a lost art form these days. I think that we are very quick. And I'm, I'm going to point the finger to myself. Like, let me just indict myself here. I make foregone, I make a d- decision really quickly and I'm able to try to put people in a box too soon versus asking why and how did that thought process form? And I think we really have to find ways to look to get uncomfortable, to have honest conversations around with people that have different opinions around things that are deeply close to our heart. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we are going to be what we criticize, which is we're going to be like, oh man, the people who are wrong in this are the people that do X, Y, and Z. And then we end up doing the same thing that we criticize. Yeah. And we make it highly personal. And I do this too, which is why I think this idea around say do ratio has given me some comfort because the immediately when you see sort of how the election results came in, you start to feel like it's personal, like half the country is against you, mm. you as a person, mm. right? Mm. They're against me. Their values are opposite of mine. You know, we can't see eye to eye. There is no common ground. And that's not true. That's not Mm. true at all. Mm. That is a narrative that we're creating based on blue and red markers on a screen from our media outlets. Please, please, please think deeper than that. That's not that's not what's happening. People want us to feel polarized and all these things, that there is no common ground. And so And then we take it personally, right? So then it becomes me against you and you against them. And that is, I think, a framework for ratings and it's a framework for... For re-entrenchment. 
for re-entrenchment. On both sides. Go back of, into yep. our spaces. It's yep. safer over here. That's right. And surround and myself with people who are going to be yes people, right? That's right. And we all do that. We, we all do, do that. We all do that. So again, going back to say do. So I had to say to self, all right, well, you voted because you believe that the person you voted for would do the things that he says in this case, this presidential election says that he would do, right? But then you have to then believe, let's flip the coin. So what are what are those things? And maybe they are grounded. Maybe there is some overlap in value systems that are shared, but the perspective is different. I don't know. I'm not trying to give a way out. I'm not trying. This isn't a, this isn't a, I want to feel good moment. This mm-hmm. is just a trying to understand. Yeah. It's really genuinely, I have no, I just, I'm just trying to understand it because like we said at the beginning, you know, when all of this is over, I leave my home and, and I'm going to encounter and engage with people who, who I feel very opposite of right now. But, you know, yesterday, maybe I didn't, I didn't realize. And so now it's like, how do you cross those bridges and jump those caverns and who's going to do the work? I feel like we have to, somebody has to be the person that's willing to take the chance and leap. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's almost like we, we just need to, we need to reimagine a new story. Mm-hmm. That's what we need to do. A new story for how we pursue justice in our communities when we are so deeply divided like this. And I think it, you have to get, use your imagination to think about another path that involves more coalition building, that involves more learning, involves more listening, yeah. that that really leans into discomfort. I'll quote someone that I bet people are not going to see coming. I recently watched the new Dave Letterman uh, series on Netflix where he interviews different celebrities. Yeah. Uh, Kim Kardashian. Have you seen the one with Dave Chappelle? Oh, <laughs> uh, did I see Dave? Uh, it really, he, he said some profound things. Was it this season or last season? It was his most recent season. Okay, I haven't seen it. I only saw Kim Kardashian's one. It released like a couple of weeks ago, but he's quoted yeah. in here. He, say, he says some, some really interesting things that are worth kind of mulling over. But one of the things he said was, he's talking about, or how we move forward as a country. And he says, I'm, I'm hopeful we can see meaningful change, but change is never a comfortable proposition. It's uncomfortable before it's comfortable again. Yeah. And I just, I, I think we got to lean into the discomfort. And honestly, Jess, like, I think I, I texted you about this the other day. There's an example I've run across of this. Cause that's where I feel like we need to, we need to, for our listeners, give them a sense of hope. If they're coming into this kind of hopeless and they're not seeing hope on the news, like where am I going to get hope from? of people who are doing this well, like who, who's actually leaning into the discomfort and getting proximate well. I stumbled on this series that I'm sure maybe some of our listeners already know about, but the Uncomfortable Conversations with a Black Man series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the one around the police where this guy, his name is Emmanuel, but he's literally on video. You can go watch this online or check our show notes. We'll drop it in there. It, this is an African-American man in a room on either side of him are two white cops on one side, two white cops on the other. And there there's a panel of five. He's a black guy in the middle of four white police officers mm-hmm. in front of an entire all white cop audience, having a conversation about police brutality in the wake of George Floyd and mm-hmm. Ahmaud Arbery and Breonna Taylor. And the list goes on and on and on. And he's like, he asked the question, Jess, I'm not going to ruin the whole thing, but he's like, when's the last time you had, a black family or a black person over to your house for dinner. And the cop was like, at first, like, ah, I don't know how to think about that. And then like, he lets it sit for a little bit. And then in uh, the guy answers, like, actually, you know what? I don't think I ever have. And he's like, okay, well, okay. Maybe when's the last time you had a conversation just with a group of black people outside of your job? 
Mm-hmm. And he's like, I, I, another guy, I, I don't think that's ever happened in my life. Yeah. And you're just, you're, there it is right there. Like yeah. it's unearthing this idea that that's part of the problem that the solution is doing what he's doing, which is being uncomfortable, leaning into the discomfort to have conversations that we've got to have as a country and as a community and as family and as neighbors, we've got to lean into that and push past the discomfort. Because you think about this, it can be black or white, but any, but in any situation, how do you form biases? Yes. So then you ask the question, what are your thoughts on black people? Right. And so then there's going to be a litany of responses to that biases that exist around it. But then the next question is the why, 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 why five times? Well, why did you get, why do you, how did you get there? If you've actually not been proximate or been in a space to have a conversation with someone who doesn't look like you or is a black member of your community. That's right. The you only know, black why? people you know you're arresting, then that's right. going to form a bias about bias. all black mm-hmm. people, which it wouldn't take that many black friends to dismantle that bias. And in my life, I know that's been true. I grew up in the American South when it comes to issues of race. And this is not true. This is not just a race conversation. Right. When that's you talk what about I, the American South. Pull forward. Yes. Yeah. So you can really find lots of buckets. I'm doing air quotes for our right. listeners that we can throw people in. We all find a bucket of somebody to live, particularly when you don't like them. And it's all based on self-interest. It's usually whatever is going to be in my best self-interest. Oh, yeah. That's Definitely. the human component of all of us is looking for a narrative that affirms what we want to believe to be true versus what is objectively true. And that prevents, that just prevents surprising friendships. It, it prevents uh, coalitions. And I think that that's what, if we're going to see true change in our country, and, and this is a point I'll come back to here. One thing that I think that all politicians I'm hearing right now, blue, red, Democrat, Republican, you name it. What I think all of them are missing is an honest answer about who we are as a country. Mm-hmm. I feel like on both sides, there's this reluctance to admit who we really are. And that the brokenness, like the the reality, I believe, Jess, is that 2020 didn't break us as a country. 2016 didn't break us. Republicans didn't break us over the last four years. And Democrats didn't break us before that. We've always been broken. We've always been broken. And I feel like there's a resistance in the words we're hearing around issues of justice and like this call to like, if we, if our side wins, then all will be made right again. I think, honestly, both sides, I'm hearing that language from. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's a flawed premise because I don't think we were ever right. Mm-hmm. I, I believe the foundations of, of how we got, like the injustice, it's a 400-year-old tree. We've said it almost every episode, but I think we got to keep saying it because I think that metaphor really applies here yeah. is that we've always been broken. And if we don't admit that, it's like this um, this video that went viral and is going viral again. Gentlemen by the name of Eddie Glaude, G-L-A-U-D-E. I think I'm pronouncing his last name right. But this video, it's got like 17 million views online. He's a pundit that's having a, just a brutally honest conversation. It's really refreshing when you turn on TV. He said, America isn't unique in its sins, but where we may be singular is in our refusal to acknowledge them. Mm, I love that. And the legends and myths we tell about our inherent goodness mm. to hide and cover and conceal so that we can maintain a willful ignorance that protects our innocence. Mm, I love that. That's so good. And to me, Jess, that is, of course, that can be applied. And I think 
this is a black man speaking. So he's channeling the conversation around race and racial justice there, of course. But I think that applies to we've got to have that conversation and we got to be that honest about injustice in our past if we're ever going to point to a more just future. Otherwise, you're not digging deep enough to uproot the problem. Right. Yeah. I love that. That's our singular where we are singular, where we are unique. Right? <laughs> what makes is, us a snowflake. Is our pride. <laughs> is our pride and um, our, yeah this, yeah, this false narrative about how inherently good we are. And mm-hmm. I think that's something that, to me, that's where we need to lean in. We need to lean into that because I think that is at a premise that is really dangerous that can prevent human flourishing in our communities. I think it's just really helpful to, again, this is, I'm quoting Dave Chappelle two more times than our listeners probably expect. Expected. I love it. You know, Dave but, Chappelle hangs on my wall. I, love I mean, that. the dude, the dude's wise. He's got some wisdom. <laughs> so I'm wise. telling you people, he said in the same interview, we are passing the ball a lot right now around on who suffers the most in yeah. this country. Yeah. And we act as if our suffering is mutually exclusive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's and there's something there, Jess. So like, I want to be careful. I want to be careful there because I I don't want to equivocate suffering. Yeah. Like, I, I just want to say going. that. I know where you're going. Yeah, but I do believe that part of I think how we move forward is to recognize that if we carry suffering into a conversation, that doesn't mean the other person we're talking to has not suffered, even if it's different than the way we have suffered. That's right. Yeah, and I think that's honestly what it is. Is is we've talked about this. This decentering of self, I feel like oftentimes what you see people motivating to vote is what is in their own self-interest. And I think that, you know, you and I are people of faith, right? That's right. You know, we yeah. got people who are listening that aren't, are and are not. But I, I believe that you know, what decenters me is my faith. My faith decenters me because I serve a God that decentered himself for me, right? So like, that's my, how I operate in the world. And I think that we need more decentering of self yeah. in these conversations and literally trying to love neighbor and try to humanize the other person and really try to get the root of what makes them tick and think. But, but honestly, not as a research project, we need to really look to love them. Like we need to really do it, not to study them, to change their mind as, cause that, that's a, that's a project. That's treating someone as a project. We need to really lean in really trying to, to love them. Even if society is telling us that that's our enemy. Right. And again, that is me I feel like I go in there fueled by my faith. And, I, and so I would almost be remiss of trying to make a Sweetman statement that sends you with that playbook without the same value set. Cause I don't think that honestly is even possible. But, you know, to me, when I look at Dr. King's work, ReCity has structured this work trying to bring together nonprofits, businesses, and the faith community. And when you look back at history in the civil rights movement, you know, that was deeply rooted. You know, Dr. King was deeply rooted by his faith. And I think that gave him motivation to say quotes like, the end is reconciliation, the end is redemption, and the end is the creation of the beloved community. It's that type of spirit and this type of love that can transform opposers into friends. It's an agape love, which is understanding goodwill for all men. It's an overflowing love, which seeks nothing in return. It is the love of God working in in the lives of men. This is the love that may well be the salvation for our civilization. An agape love. And that's radical, right? There, that, is, that is, I think, you don't see in a lot of that right now. 
but I, that's the, that's what I'm striving towards. That's my end game is like trying to channel Dr. King's vision, which I know he gets misquoted a lot. He had a lot more to say than just that. But to me that when I hear that, it gives me hope. Yeah. Well, this is not going to be as nearly as profound, but it, this is what gave me hope the day after the election and still does right now as you're reading Dr. King, who we honor him mm. in so many ways. My little five foot four white mother who grew up as a Republican her whole life. And, and so did I, staunch Republican. Now is not, but, you know, so she's seen both sides of that spectrum. And so have I. She checks in with me about three times a day just to make sure, you know, every day for the last three years. This is, I'm not kidding, three times a day, morning, middle, night. So election day goes on, she's checking in, checking in. And then I don't hear from her, like in the, at the end of the day. And I'm a little concerned because I always joke about this, but sometimes I feel like my mom might be on the watch list at DC because she be posting stuff on Facebook that she <laughs> has no business posting, um, but always gives me there's, a There's some kind of like graph of like, Older you get, the more open yeah. and honest you are. Oh online. yeah, There's, you're just like I wish you would tell me what I can and can't. <laughs> so you know, so I've decided a couple years ago to let that alone. So, anyways, so she doesn't check in like normal, and so I'm, you know, not concerned. I'm sure she's just watching like everybody else and all this stuff. She does send me like a good night thing, so I know she's good. The mm. next morning, then you know, I'm waiting to hear like kind of with bated breath because she is so opinionated about it, and. All she said was, well, this is the text message. Well, we don't know the outcome, but we live to fight another day. Mm. And that was it. Mm. We live to fight another day. Mm. And so to your point, we, we live to lo- love another day, mm. to see people for another day, for who they really are, and, and to honor their unique experiences that they bring to their life, to make sure you're not harmed along the way because of those experiences. So I want to be clear about that. Mm-hmm. But then to fight for, for another day, right? Mm. I mean, mm. I think there's a jump ball here. I, I saw that it was written, something about one of the states was a jump ball and I had to laugh. But like, you know, our future is up for grabs mm. and we have to stay in there. We have to get in the center of the court. Mm. We got to be willing to jump. We got to be willing to to take the risk to to take ourselves to the win, right? Whatever that is. And so my mom saying that it's, you know, we live to fight another day. I was just like, yep, you know what? The world continues to spin and hope continues to reign. And and I'm in that with her. I feel mm. that for her and for me. And I hope for our listeners too, that, you know, it's uncertain, it's confusing. It's all the things, you know, it doesn't make sense. You want to eat ice cream and ter- put your blinds down <laughs> sometimes. But then, you know, you put the blinds up, whatever's on the other side of that window, it's still there. You can put mm. your blinds down if you want to. Mm. But whatever's on the other side is still there. Yeah. So, you know, we got to face it. We got to just be our best selves. If if I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. There's never a bad time to do a spiritual and personal audit of who you are. So, you know, you know, just be better today than you were yesterday. When I hear you quote your mom, I just hear a woman that's deeply rooted in values that transcend this season. That's what makes a statement like that possible. You can't, yeah. if you're betting all your hope on the outcome of this election, right. you, can't say th- you can't say things like that. That's right. But you could tell it transcends. She has a transcendent value system that says, no matter what happens with this. And again, that's where I think for me, Jess, I have learned and been shaped so, so much in ways that I'm grateful for, specifically by 
the people in my life that know what it means to feel marginalized. Mm -hmm. Because it's the people in my life that have been pushed to the margins that know that this is not new for. This is not a surprise. Like they're yeah. not turning on the TV being like, what? <laughs> Like, you remember that SNL skit from a couple of years ago where like Chris, I think Chris Rock was in and he's like, (laughs) it's mostly white people that are like that, you know, because they've enjoyed status, power, privilege, right? Like never really been on the wrong side of injustice historically. Like, yeah. What do you mean this is? And and like people who are like, what What are you talking about? Like, where have you been? That's right. But I've learned so much on my journey around leaning into like what it means to pursue justice in my life. I've been learning from people who've been living life on the margins because they have so much to teach me about where am I rooting my hope and just to see things clearly, like to see things with more eyes wide open. And then I still get fuzzy lenses. Like I, I still expect us to be further than we are. And I think, again, that's a lot of times my own biases and lived experience preventing me from seeing the realities that I think people who have been marginalized don't have an option but to see. Mm-hmm. And so I think that for the people of are listening that are their their lived experience is more like mine, white, male, growing up eastern rural North Carolina. Like I think you're an inspiration to me. You have taught me so much through this podcast, but also just the way that you go through life seeking to learn. Like I need to when society tells me that I'm that centers me in all the stories, I need to learn how to decenter myself and learn from people who have so much to teach me about how, how the world works. Mm -hmm. that I can't see without them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That in and of itself is decentering yourself, Rob. I mean, I think that's a beautiful way to to look at how we move through our days. I um, think it's a great challenge. I think the centering of self is Mm -hmm. pretty easy to do. We do Mm -hmm. it. We all do it, right? The centering of self is just kind of the natural place for us to live. It's the uh, the unnatural place is to like recognize that we're centered and move ourselves out in order to make room for new information, make That's right. room for That's new right. space, new stories, right? There's no shame there. I think that's the natural sort of home base. That's our home base. The idea is to sort of say, okay, well, if that's my home base today, because I am so whatever you're feeling, what might it look like if I just moved to the left a little bit and allowed mm. new information to come in and inform me in a, do, in a new way? Or if I allowed somebody to tell me I was wrong and yeah. here's why and here's what that impact is on me. Had you ever thought of it that way? And then you allow yourself to hear it, listen and respond in a way that is honest so that you can grow. I mean, that's yeah. just how growth happens. Yes. But when we are so anchored in the center and we refuse to take even a little bit of a step to the left or right to allow the space, that is where, that is what we're starting to see. And I think that's what people are starting to feel is like, is there room for growth, for, my story? for change? Yeah, yeah. For change. Yeah. Is there room for my, what I have to share, my gifts in your world? Hmm. I'm saying this for everyone. Right. I'm not I'm not trying to ask people to give my story space in yours really or I'm saying we all need to we all need to be allowing for that moment. In other words, I'm not putting my story above yours mm. or my story above somebody that I feel like I'm on polar opposite sides of. I'm just asking is there room? Are you willing to give me room to to consider what that might look like and to allow yourself to grow? Yeah. And if you can answer yes to those two things, then we're going to be all right. Hmm. We're going to be all right. That's good. That's good. And, and again, in many ways, 
while this feels like an unprecedented time in our lifetimes, Jess, in many ways, this feels familiar because it's the same conversation that we've been having for a year and a half. Like it, mm-hmm. these are the same themes of what we've been encouraging people to try to, or, or sharing our journey of what it means, what it's looked like for us to try to get proximate with each other, with yeah. our community, to the story of our communities. I mean, I'm so excited about the back half of this season because I think it sets up, we didn't plan it for this to happen, mm-hmm. but it sets up so well. If you're looking for some kind of roadmap and you're yeah. just like, this feels overwhelming to me, honestly, guys and gals, like just keep listening because yeah. if you just keep listening, if that's the only thing you do for the next little bit, mm-hmm. listen okay. to, to these stories, there will be something in there that will challenge you and encourage you and invite you to grow and to learn and to decenter your experience and, and position you to love your neighbor and be part of working towards the beloved community, which, I mean, I guess there's an assumption that if you're still with us at this point, that's what you want. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> like that yeah. you want the beloved community. So I'm making a dangerous assumption, a bold yeah. assumption that if you, if you stuck it out by this far, yeah. uh, unless like something about the election clickbaited you into this first episode, <laughs> uh, right. because we had a really good title. We have a guy, yeah. we have an amazing title guy. Shout out to Chris Papalardo. He's my man. He, he, <laughs> Come on, Chris. Yeah, this, this, Chris is a, is a title genius, but if Chris got you, if he hooked you in somehow, then Hey, I, I you don't fit this category, but I think 99% of people listening to this, they're here still because they are in this vision of beloved community. They still have hope that it's possible and they want to know how their story contributes to that greater narrative. Mm-hmm. And I will say you and I, we don't have the, all the answers, but I think we just got to keep showing up for conversations like this again and again and again, we got to be honest. Mm-hmm. We got to, we got to enter into those conversations humbly. Yeah. We just got to be rooted in values that transcend the crazy cycle that is the roller coaster of, of our world right now. Um, because that's life is more, it's so much more than who sits in the Oval Office. I'm not saying that's not important. Yeah. Yeah. But it's bigger than that. But it's, I almost feel like your, your mom's quote right there. Can we say we live to fight another day? Mm-hmm. I think that comes from being rooted in knowing thyself and what thy, thy values are. That, that ing- it isn't proper English, but I think you can. <laughs> but I think we got it. Yeah, that we got it. I love that. I love that. I want to thank our listeners today. I don't know. They, mm. they probably suspect that we do a lot of preparation for our podcast because we do in advance, especially when we have guests. And so this mm. one, a little behind the scenes here is that we didn't do any prep for this. Well, Rob always does prep regardless. I just sort of walked into it with my own, some thinking and whatever, just, but, but not in like full prep because we wanted to have a conversation. And so what you just heard was literally us just an authentic, real, authentically yeah, trying to unscripted, talk it out. Unscripted, <laughs> unscripted conversation. Yeah. You, you it prep. Out. Yeah. Don't, don't sell yourself short. We prep, we both prepped, but we prepped intentionally for a real, honest for a real conversation. conversation. Yeah. That's right. That's right. And so I guess I just, thanks for some of it is patience, right? As you listen to us, think things through in real time and share our feelings and share our uncertainty and stumble over what were our thoughts and making sure it makes sense and congruent with our values. All those, all that stuff is Mm. like, that's real. I just wanted to sort of point it out because it's sometimes it's the raw and unedited. That's, that's what this is. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the spot. And then I'll let you return the favor. We got to do our show up moment. And usually our guests, we put them on the spot, make them do that hard work. But what 
you can pass you can pass the, the back to me. I, I'm I got one locked and loaded. Oh gosh. Do you have so, a show up? How how can our listeners show up from this conversation in, in your mind? We already said listen, keep listening to the podcast. So that, that one's an easy one. Yeah, maybe I said it towards the end, you know, and I think the podcast is a demonstration of this, but I think we've got to be a little more self-aware. Not mm-hmm. a little. I think I think we we do get tethered to headlines and tethered to notions. I just think we have to be a little bit more self-aware that that's happening Mm. and say, okay, I know that I'm being guided by Chris Cuomo on CNN right now and the research he did. I didn't do any of that research. And so I'm going to choose to accept that as my truth or I'm not. Mm. And so, you know, or I'm going Mm. to add that to the series of other things that I'm learning and understanding about myself and the community that I live in. And so those are like real exercise moments. And so I would, I guess I would just say that having that self-awareness around how you move and how you take in information, including this podcast is important and making room and space for new information. Mm. So take a step to the left. And I think by listening to this podcast, you did mm-hmm. because yep. you've decided I'm going to suspend my think my judgment for 45 minutes consume some new information and decide how it fits into my narrative in my right. life. There's something in the last 45 minutes, whether it was Jess Averhart, Rob Shields, Dave Chappelle, or Dr. Martin Luther King, like- Or my so, little white mama. Or, or, or Jess's mo- white mom. Like there's, there is something <laughs> here that you probably gave you pause that you're like, yeah. I'm not sure what to do with that. Or I'm not sure I agree with that. Like I would imagine. I, we hope. We, we, we hope. hope. And because yeah. we're still trying to figure this out too. And we're all, we're both guilty- and we got room to do growing also ourselves. So we're we're not preaching at you. We are learning together and yeah. we are sharing what we're learning. This is not from a pedestal preaching yeah. down. I, I hope that's our listeners don't feel that way. That's good though. I think that self-audit, and you could even do that. You could do that on a piece of paper. You could write it down. You could spend some time, get a cup of coffee and just turn off the news because ain't no new information like gonna happen in the next 30 minutes. Like right. press pause, pause the inbox and just be like, what shapes my thinking and and what are the sources? Like if yeah. you had to have a bibliography, I'm pretty sure that's the right word. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't used that word in a long time. Bibliography, well if done. You've got to cite your sources for right. how you, what, what shapes your thinking, mm-hmm. what makes it into your personal bibliography for your worldview and just reflect on that list. Mm-hmm. Look at it and is there any margin or any space in there for continuous learning from people who have a different lived experience than you. Yeah. If you're a Republican, are there any Democrats on that list? If you're a Democrat, are there any Republicans? Right. If you're a person of faith, are there any people that are, are not a person of faith? If you're a Christian, is there a Muslim on there? Is there, if you're a Muslim, you know what I'm saying? Like yeah, there's, that's right. that's it applies black, black, white, male, female, rich, poor. I mean, there's so old many different young, ways. Old and young people, professionals who don't listen to young people who have- That's right. Gay, straight. Proper. Like you, you, could, you could name all the different nuances of our world. How homogenous is that bibliography? And what are you missing out on as a result of that? And how can you take a step? How can you, what episodes do you need to go back and listen to on our podcast or the ones that are coming up down the way that you need to lean into because it's going to help diversify your bibliography? Yeah, that's cool. I like, I like that. Yeah, I like that. I That's like right. that. That's right. My my only addition to that, Jess, is you know, we're, our listeners are listening to this, you know, the Monday after election Tuesday. And you know, we talked about it needing a new story earlier, right? You know, ReCity is is about the work of really trying to prove that proximity can really breed empathy and lead to transformative change. That's our whole mission is built around that. And I think we've we have attempted to build a 
ecosystem that is a diverse bibliography of thought around a sense of shared values. But the way that I would say people could lean in, we don't often have a lot of opportunities for that, especially in COVID, for people to get proximate to our work. But this Thursday, we're having our uh, our annual fundraiser. This year, it'll be virtual. We're launching our Reimagine campaign. And I think that the premise is that we're, we're trying to reimagine a new story for our communities. And so if you are looking to take a step, obviously, this podcast is great. If you're looking to lean in more, we put together a really compelling program. I would encourage our listeners to head, head to our website, recitynetwork.org. You can RSVP. It's still not too late. You can bring your crew with you. Attend virtually. So this is a virtual fundraiser. It'll be this Thursday when our listeners are hearing this. And so would encourage you to, to join us and link arms with us. Find a way to, to lean into the story that we're doing here. You don't even have to be Durham-based to lean in. And maybe that's a way that you diversify your bibliography is by tuning into the change makers that we're going to be celebrating over the course of, of that program happening uh, later this week. So recitynetwork.org, that'll take you straight to the campaign page. Uh, the Reimagined campaign kicks off on Thursday. Would love for you to, to lean in with us in that way to join forces in, in what we're doing. It's great. That's great. That's it. You did have a show up moment. Very, I, very tactical. I love that. Very good. It's, I think there's enough, there's something for everybody, I hope. You know, we're coming up on halftime. Our listeners are going to, are in for a real treat. We're going to be celebrating the halftime a, a, a little bit uniquely. So get excited. Creative. Get excited. Yeah. We primed the pump. This is going to make a lot of sense for people who, who listen chronologically. And then we're going to, we got a, such a strong back half of a season plan. I am, I'm so looking forward to our listeners learning and listening to the thought leaders and the change makers that we have queued up for them. So good. All right, friend. There we'll it is. Halftime. Go. We'll see you at halftime. Go. Hey, tune tune down the blinds if you need to. Get that get that ice cream. That's you right. know, but then but then open them back up. Back and, back into the world. And get back into the world, friends. We'll right. see you next time. All right. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to Just. In the spirit of sharing, if you like what you've heard, tell a friend about the show and give us a five-star rating and review. Many thanks to DJ P-Dog and producer Low Key for producing the music for our show. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. 